Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. I want to tell you guys a little bit about today's guest. Her name is Kristen Zavo, and she is a career coach and the best-selling author of Job Joy. And I want to tell you one of the things that she says. She says to me. She said to me um, that made me love Kristen instantly. Is she said she said this in one of the first conversations that we had, and I'm probably gonna butcher it, but it just like really resonated with me as someone who really wants to be of service and really help people. And she said this, again, I'm going to butcher it. Sorry, Kristen. (laughs) She said that she believes that everyone deserves a career that excites and inspires them and deserves to have a feeling of happiness and fulfillment that comes from meaningful work and that life is too short for anything less. How powerful is that? So, If you're new to the podcast, you might not know this, but I had a very um, less than pleasant work experience when I worked in corporate America. I did it for three years. I worked in human resources. And it's funny because I always said during my interviews, like, I want to help people. I want to help people. And I thought that human resources was the best avenue to go through to do that. And it turns out it wasn't. Um, So I did it for three years. I was dealing with anxiety. I burnt myself out. It wasn't a cute moment for me. Um, Had I met Kristen three, four, five years ago, things probably would have been a lot different for me. Um, My misguided self really could have used a book like Job Joy and a coach like Kristen. So in this episode, Kristen and I talk about how to be happier at work. That's kind of the title of the episode, how to know when it's time to quit your job, how to cultivate a life outside of work. As DJ Khaled would say, major key alert. This was something that I totally missed was having a life outside of work when I worked in corporate and the secret to landing a job that no one talks about. Yeah, we get into it. But before we get into the interview, I want to tell you guys about Kristen's book, Job Joy. So Kristen was kind enough to send me over a copy and I was absolutely floored. So this book is so thoughtful and valuable to anyone who is having a hard time navigating the waters of 
what the next move in your career is. I know some of my friends right now are either going to get their master's or stay in their jobs or are pulling their hair out because they want to leave their job, but they don't know how to do it or what to do instead. And JobJoy really gives you the clarity and tools to make an informed decision. Again, learn from my mistakes. I was very impulsive with quitting my job where Kristen really encourages you encourages you to make an informed decision. So two very different things. <laughs> um, so JobJoy is on pre-order right now. So you can go to jobjoybook.com to grab a copy. And when you pre-order, you get some goodies. You get instant access to one of the most loved chapters of Finding Happiness at Work Now. And I can attest it is probably my favorite chapter in the book. I read the book, obviously, because Kristen sent it to me and she even signed it for me. And I was like, oh my God, like when she becomes like a New York Times bestselling author, like I'm going to have like a signed copy. <laughs> um, you also get access to Kristen's four part career upgrade masterclass. But this is only when you pre-order the book. So otherwise, you'll have to wait till June 18th for it to become available on Amazon and other retailers like Barnes & Noble. So again, it's jobjoybook.com to pre-order and you can get $149 in bonus gifts. Um, yeah, sign me up. Um, or if you don't know how to spell (laughs) jobjoybook.com, which you probably do, Um, you can check out the show notes where I've included all of the links to Kristen's website and Instagram so you can go show her some love. So yeah, again, it's jobjoybook.com. If you head over to my Instagram stories, I am going to be showing you guys my annotated, highlighted craziness copy. (laughs) I annotate my book. So the book that she sent me, I like kind of went to town and like highlighted and wrote in my book. Um, I'm going to be showing you guys that on my Instagram stories. You guys can head over to at living freely on Instagram and I'll be tagging Kristen in there and we're just going to have like a fun little time with her book and the podcast. All right. I've talked enough. I'm going to say my little sign off. So let's get into it. Be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you. Mean it. Kristen, how are you? Hi, Bree. So nice to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I, we have been planning this since November. Forever, it seems. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> November. So time. I know. We were both, like, both of our schedules were just so, which is a good thing, right? Like, I'd rather have us both be busy and productive than have a bunch of free time, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But we made the time and that's what's important. Right. I'm so excited. So Kristen is a career coach and she is a best-selling author of the book Job Joy. And I was just, re- I was really wanted to have you on because I feel like I, I talk a lot about my own experience with working in corporate and how it wasn't the best experience for me, but I know so many people have 
really wonderful experiences working in in their in their jobs, whether that's in corporate or whether that's in marketing or however, whatever they do. And so I just really, I wanted to bring in like someone who has a different perspective on that. And so tell us just a little bit of how you got into becoming a career coach. So as I think happens for many of us, the work we ultimately end up doing comes from our own experience. And that is true for me. I I uh, was always very career focused. I you know, was teaching when I was in school and then I went right into investment banking and consulting where I would spend the majority of my career, almost a decade. Um, and then I moved to industry and I did more marketing and customer experience. So throughout my career, I was in multiple jobs and in also multiple careers. And, you know, each time I would get that itch, right? When you've been at a job for a little bit and you're like, oh no, I don't think this is it. You start dreading it. You get the Sunday blues. Um, and then it's a matter of survival. And each time I thought I had it figured out, right? Like maybe it was because I needed a promotion or it was my boss or you know, once I made more money, it would be fine, or maybe the next project would be better. Um, and so I would get another job, it would be fine, and then I would get into the cycle again. And mm-hmm. through changing jobs and then also changing careers, I took the slow path because I didn't have anyone helping me, but I figured out some common themes. I was one of those common themes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, through throughout all that, throughout my experience, I ended up uncovering, you know, why I was so unhappy and what I really needed to do. And in my last big career change, which was from consulting to more of a a role at one company where it was marketing and customer experience and strategy, um, that was a very big career change that people told me I couldn't do. Um, and ultimately I did do it. You know, I figured out what I wanted. Um, I got really clear on that. I built a plan. I worked the plan. I refined my story, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, but I refined my story. I refined what I wanted. And ultimately I ended up landing a job in an industry I had never worked in before doing something I had never done before and at a promoted level. And when that happened, everything sort of clicked and all of a sudden people were coming to me and saying, well, how did you do that? That doesn't seem possible. And by the way, can you look at my LinkedIn profile? I'm going to a networking event. What do I say? And that was how coaching started for me. It was just something fun on the side. Um, You know, and ultimately it, you know, I, I ended up writing a book, putting the process all out on paper. And that's when I had to take some of my own advice and, know, follow what I love to do, not just stay in the path that I was on. Right. That's how I'm where I am now doing what I'm doing, helping people to be happier at work. That is such an incredible story. I love hearing. I love hearing that. So something I want to circle back to that you said in the beginning was that you thought like when you got a, a different job or you got promoted or you made more money that that would kind of eliminate some of that I don't want to call it I don't know what to call it but so I, I know the feeling I just don't know how to articulate it like some of that tightness or like stress of like oh am I doing the right thing yeah. and I feel like that's very common I think especially 
among millennials is we get in these jobs for like two or three years and then we start to feel that pull of like I don't know if I want to do this like this might not be for me but maybe if I make more money maybe if I get a new boss or a new job but then it's just like this cycle that we kind of get into which you touched on so how would you kind of coach someone through that if that is the experience that they're having well there's a lot of reasons for this um you know and it is true we need to have a certain amount of challenge at work right if it's too Mm -hmm. much we're overwhelmed if it's too little we're bored um and a lot of times the reason we end up in this situation is because we just move to another job without actually stopping and thinking, okay, what is it I really want? You know, saying I want another job, I need to get the hell out of this place is not enough. <laughs> That's not right. Good enough. Um, but to say, what do I really want my whole life to look like? What do I want my days to look like? Who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? Um, you know, what are the things I want to look back on when I'm older and smile at and thinking of it from a bigger life perspective and then only then saying, okay, how does my career fit into that? Because our career can either support all the other wonderful things in life um, and be a wonderful thing in and of itself, or it can detract, it can take away, right? If you've ever been miserable at work, you said you didn't like corporate, um, Perhaps you're like some of my clients who they say, yeah, I have interest, but I'm so exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally that I just want to like lay on the couch when I come home. I'm dead tired. And I've even had people tell me that they don't do things on the weekends because then it would make the weekends go by faster and then they would have to go to work sooner. (laughs) Right? Yes, Um, that was me. (laughs) Yes. And it sounds crazy, but it's true. And so in that situation, your job absolutely does not support the life you want. And, you know, we're all taught to compartmentalize everything, right? Like you've got your family in one box, you've got your relationship in another, you've got work in another, health in another, but we can't do that. It's all connected. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. Really, yeah. Getting clear on what you want. And I think number two, um, defining success on your own terms, not you know, it's fine if money and prestige and power are your things, but that's not enough to make you happy long-term. You know, what is the impact you want to make? Are you doing this for yourself? Or are you doing it to make your parents proud, right? right. Are you doing it so that people from high school look you up and are really impressed? Um, or do you actually really love what you do? And hopefully, um, you know, with time, you come to the ladder and you do what you actually really love and what's going to make you happy and fit with the rest of your life on your terms, not on what the world tells you you need to do. Right. What is that quote that was like, do you remember who you were before the world told you who you were? Oh, (laughs) yeah. I don't know if that's the exact quote. I'm really bad at remembering quotes verbatim or who said them, but I remember the gist of it. Um, but I really think that this needs to be like an entire course in college. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they don't teach that, right? I they mean, don't teach you to ask yourself these questions. And like, I worked in retail for five years and then I moved into corporate. Um, and it was like in one of my retail career, I was constantly like jumping from one burning ship to the next burning ship mm-hmm. because I never took the um, time to ask myself those questions. 
like what you were saying, like what kind of impact do I want to have? Like, am I actually doing this because I love it or am I doing it because I want to make my parents proud and I want people to see on LinkedIn what I'm doing and how, quote, successful I, I am. And then it wasn't until I had a complete burnout when I was in my third year of working corporate because I was one of those people that was working 14, 15 hour days, working on the weekends, like just had no sense of anything outside of work that I really, I like, it was almost like that was like, those were the question, exact questions I asked myself, what kind of impact do I want to make? What do I really want to do? Is this what my life is going to look like? I had never given my second, myself a second to eat, to pause and really reflect. And I think that's something that a lot of people are, are missing. Yeah. And we're not taught to do that. Right. I mean, we're taught to, you know, want to, you need to get a job, right? Like out of school, the, the goal for most of us is just get a job. Right. Um, and then once you do that, just climb the corporate ladder, mm-hmm. right? Get promoted, make more money. Um, and no one ever stops and, you know, and tells us that we should do that. And it's really a shame um, but hopefully people listening will, will give themselves that. And especially the person you were at 18 when you entered college, right, is different than you are now, whether you're 22, just starting your career, or, you know, 25, 30, 35, you're a different person. And so you can't rely on that 18-year-old who is entering college in the right. major they chose um, to define the rest of your life. Yeah, that's like the thing. That's a, that's a, that's a zinger. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like when you put it like that, like you're literally 18 years old. I'm like 18 year old Bree should not be making no decisions. <laughs> <laughs> like we were what? still hung up on like purple glittery eyeshadow and clothes that. Oh were- wait, that's not cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, it can't, like, I feel like it's making a comeback here. I know, I'm just playing. (laughs) Um, No, I really, I I absolutely agree with everything that you just said. And what, I, I hear this a lot from my friends who are still, a lot of my friends are, like, getting their master's right now, and they're, you know, working full time and then doing their master's on the side. And they're like, I hate my job. I hate my job. And it's like every six months, I feel like I'm having the same conversation with them about how much they hate their job. And I'm like, we just had this conversation six months ago. Did you update your resume? Did you apply to places? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, well then (laughs) why are you having this exact same conversation with me? So what, have you worked with clients like that? Like, where they're yeah, just miserable course. in their job and they just don't know how to like move forward. Like what is it that is preventing people from really just taking that next step of like, I need to get out of this position? Yeah, of course. A lot of us are in a situation and I think we all start that way, right? With any big change, whether it is career or we you know, want to move across the country or we're thinking of breaking up with the person we've been with for three years, right? When, whenever there's a big change, it's scary. And so the first thing that we humans do is we get paralyzed, right? And we, and we don't do anything because, you know, there's this, there's this part of a brain of our brain that protects us, right? And it says what, 
what kept me alive yesterday will keep me alive now. So doing anything different, there's this hurdle to get over simply because of that, because of our survival instincts. And it's the unknown, right? And it's scary. And that's why a lot of people, you know, end up coming to me in the first place because they want that support. They want someone outside of, you know, their boyfriend or their mom, um, you know, someone who has a, an objective perspective and can support them without all their own issues getting in the way. Um, and just someone to hold them accountable to the vision that they say that they want, what they want for themselves. Because we forget when things get tough, right? We forget, we backpedal, and then our friends make us feel better. And they go, oh, no, yeah, it's hard. I understand. Yeah. And they think they're helping us, right? But they're not. We need our friends to say, no, you said that you were miserable. You said this was ruining your life. You said it's ruining your health. What changed? That's the big one. Right? And... So I think the reason it's just it's simply fear. Fear and unknown and what if I fail and what will people think, right? And maybe I'm not enough, maybe I can't make the change. What if I'm not successful? Um we've got all those thoughts in our head. Um and a lot of times we don't make that change until the pain of the current situation is greater than the fear of of doing something different. And that's too bad, um, but it's, it's just the reality of, of the way we are, right? As humans, we're motivated more by, by pain than looking for the good that's going to come. Right. Or you end up burning out and getting really sick. Yeah. And you like physically cannot work. Well, that's the pain, right? I yeah. mean, that's where it becomes too much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that there's so many people, I mean, I think I like to be like hopeful, and like maybe a little bit too optimistic, but I really do think that some of the, I think the workplace is changing a lot than it, more probably more so in the last five to 10 years than it has in a really long time. I think a lot of companies are taking the nod from Facebook and Google and Apple, like the big players who I think are, are really, I don't want to say catering to their employees' needs, but they're really supporting their employees' needs. Mm -hmm. um, and that makes me happy because I definitely didn't, I mean, I had like a windowless break room, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like those types of things. It's just, it's like, it's intense. It really is. It's not always the best place for a lot of people, but it's good to hear that finding happiness at work is, is totally possible. So to kind of play into that, how can people be happier at work? Like, is that possible if they, like some people just simply cannot leave their jobs, right? Like they have to kind of stay where they're at until maybe a timeline or whatever, you know, financial reasons, whatever it is. So how can they make the best of the situation? How can they find happiness at work? There are lots of ways. I have a whole chapter of this in Job Joy, actually, um, because even if you know that you are making a change, even if you're making a big change, like a career change, you don't want to put off um, being happy just because you're in transition. So this is important whether or not you're staying put or you are actively looking for another job. Um, but one of my favorite uh, pieces of advice to give it has nothing to do with work, seemingly. <laughs> it's to get a life outside of work. 
like seriously, like most of us who are in miserable jobs, we make it even more miserable by working long hours and having no life outside of the office. Right. And by doing that, that accomplishes a lot of things. First of all, it's like getting you in that vibration of actually having fun and being happy, right? Because you get used to being miserable and then that's your status quo. And guess what? Misery attracts misery. <laughs> Absolutely. And so like doing something for yourself, um, if you're single, actually going on dates. Um, if you're with someone, um, you know, having fun, special things to do, going out with your friends, making plans on a work week night, ooh, right? Like having somewhere to go, something to do, something in your life, something, someone, passions that light you up and make you feel like your true self again, right? Because we're like a shell of ourselves when we're in a miserable job. Um, so that would be number one, making time. And when you make time for things and people that you love and you create more of a full life, that is naturally going to force you to do what I'm going to recommend for the second tip to be happier at work. And that's to set boundaries. You're not working until seven to eight o'clock every night. You know, you leave at five or six, whatever time, you know, is, is right for you. And then you go on and you have the rest of your life. You don't go home and work more. Um, and that is hard at first. I mean, I came from a culture where, you know, we were traveling together. We would meet at like 7.30 in the morning. We'd work from 8 to 8. We'd get dinner. Then we'd go back to our rooms and work more while we ate. And if I could go back to my younger self, I would tell her, no, the computer, the laptop stays shut. You need to get sleep. Right. Right. And that, that setting boundaries can be really tough, but it is so important. But speaking of setting those boundaries, that was so hard for me to do. And I'm sure a lot of people, especially when you're first starting out and you're young, I was like the youngest person on my team, had the least amount of experience had the least amount of education. And so I was like coming from a place of competition and wanting to prove myself. So I thought to prove myself, I have to work the hardest. I have to work the longest mm-hmm. and I have to work the best. <laughs> like I had, I was almost like striving per, per, for perfection. And I feel like so many people get caught in that trap. So what would you say to them? Well, number one, some environments are like that. Some environments don't care about what you produce. They care about the hours your butt is in your seat in your cubicle. And that's not the kind of place that I would ever recommend anyone work. I think we're changing that a lot. Like you said, a lot of companies are becoming more progressive. They're um, looking at what you produce, right? They're looking at the result, not on how many hours you are in a certain place or even you know, if you are in the office, right, you can work remote. Um, but I am curious to hear how that worked for you in corporate because you said that was the game you had to play, right? You, you mm-hmm. had to work hard. You had to be there the longest. It was a competition. So how did that work? And then, and then I'll share how that worked for me. But I'm curious for me. Like what was the outcome of me? Yeah. Not, oh, I burnt out in like three years because – I was constantly working and my dad even said my dad's been in corporate for like 40 years. He like worked his way up 
from like literally a janitor <laughs> to like more in a C-level position. So that is amazing. Yeah. So like, I think that's Ugh. where my work ethic comes from. Like, and I mm-hmm. saw that growing up of like, this is what you have to do in order to be successful. So I really molded my career out of that. Um, but yeah, it was not, it, it burnt myself out. Like I, but I didn't realize that that was going to be the outcome. Like at that time I was just like, I have to prove myself. I have to prove myself. And it just, it wasn't worth it. And I think, you know, part of that was also the culture that the company produced. And then I fed into that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And I think the important thing to highlight here is the very thing you wanted, you couldn't get because you were burnt out, right? What what was the goal? To be promoted, to be appreciated, to make more money, uh, to be more successful. And if you get burnt out, you've just, the whole purpose was defeated and all of that time was a waste. Right. Right? Um, I mean, you learned a lesson, so that was certainly not a waste. <laughs> I learned it the hard um, way, which is typically yeah. how I learn all my lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, and so it's, I, and I'm not against hard work, um, but studies have shown, and I've seen in my own experience as well as with that of clients, is that when you have more going on, when you have a life, you show up to work, you know, energized and positive, you get more done um, with better quality than if you're in the office for, you know, all your waking hours, because there's a lot of diminishing returns, right? You can only work so much before you start making mistakes, your quality goes down, you're redoing the whole thing. And, you know, when I was in consulting, we were charging by the hour. So, you know, my company didn't care. (laughs) 12, 15 hours was just more money in their pocket that they could charge for me. Um, but when it comes to you know the real world, efficiency should be rewarded. The person who does a better job in less time should be rewarded, not the person who sits there all day, you know, distracted by social media and getting some work done in between. Um, and it's a pity that some companies don't reward that. But then you know that that's not the place for you. Right. Yeah. And I think those are just lessons that like we learn as we have different jobs. Yeah. And it's a, it's a sacrifice, right? And you can give it a try and see if it's worth it. And I think even if, you know, working those crazy hours, um, and sacrificing the rest of your life. So your overall well-being, your health, your romantic relationship or lack thereof, um, your friendships, your family, if you sacrifice all that, but at least you got promoted, you get to choose, was that worth it, right? Like I don't, there's no judgment. Um, if that is what makes you happy and you're satisfied with that, then, then that's fine. But for most of us, it's not the hours we spent at the office that we're going to reminisce about. I mean, you've seen mm-hmm. the, the deathbed regret, regrets, right? And there's like a list of 10 in them. And one of them was, I wish I hadn't worked so many hours. I wish I would have, you know, followed my heart. I wish I would have spent more time with the people I love. Right. It's not, I wish I would have gotten promoted. <laughs> right? Right. There's or, actually a really good book. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called The Road to Character by David Brooks. I think that's his last name. And he talks about these um, eulogy virtues and resume virtues. 
Beautiful. I love this. I'm gonna have to check this book out. Yeah. And he talks about like how, you know, resume virtues are like promotions and like money, like those types of things. And then like eulogy virtues, which I mean, I personally think are the most important is like, how did this person make me feel? Like, what did they, how kind were they? How like impactful were they? Like those types of things, and I think those are like, and I'm sure you can agree with this. Like the type working on the online space, it's all about impact. Of course, it's all about like how you're serving and providing values for others, or value for others. Um, which I never really got when I worked in corporate. Like my whole intention. Sorry, I don't want to like make this about myself. My whole no, intention when I worked. Important. When I worked in human resources was like, I wanted to help people. That was always like, why do you want to work in human resources? I want to help people. And I thought that that was the department to do it in um, because it was that like human connection, like that one-on-one type of thing. But when I got really into it, I was like, oh, this is not, (laughs) this is not what I expected at all. And so it was like that part of me that was like, I need, I need to do something more for people. Um, and that, I mean, that took me a while to come to, to, to that conclusion. I mean, that wasn't like right out of the gate, but yeah, I mean, now I think I, I mean, I deleted my LinkedIn. Maybe I'll create a new one because my, Oh, you're not on LinkedIn now? I'm not. I deleted it because (laughs) it's like all from my corporate positions. (laughs) Oh no. And so I had like a ton of, um, and they're not followers. What are they? Connections? Connections. Yep. Um, because my title was recruiter. And so just like anytime people see recruiter, like automatically they want to add you because they think that you can get them a job. Well, these (laughs) seem to be like people that might want to be connected with you now. Right. Now I'm thinking I might redo it to like, cause I didn't want to put the names of the company that I worked on, especially cause I have the podcast and I've like talked about my experiences. So I, I never like say the name of the companies. Um, and one of them was like a really big financial institution. So I'm like, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> so that yeah. was my thing. And I, you know, I talked about my experiences, um, with previous jobs in my book. Um, but it was all true and there was no slander there. So I don't think you would be sued. And I mean, you would have to be straight out lying and naming names, which I doubt you're doing. So I think (laughs) it's it's important that people hear your story because then they realize they're not alone. Right. Right. I mean, that's why are we, why are we talking right now? Why are you doing this podcast? It's so people know they're not alone and that they, they can make a change. Absolutely. And there's no shame. There's no reason you should have to hide your story. And I would love to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) So kind of transitioning. Yeah. As we were talking, as we're talking about like my past jobs, I want to know how can we figure out when it's time for us to leave a job? Yeah, this is a really good question. Normally we know way before we'll admit it. Most people... This is true. (laughs) Yes. When they finally, you know, decide to do something about it, most people will say it's been years. At least they'll say it's been, you know, six, seven, eight months. Um, And so, you know, we we get the first hints when, you know, it's not the Sunday blues one time, it's every time, right? So when we start to 
when we start to dread work, when we hate being at work, and then we're miserable thinking about it, right? Like when you wake up in the morning, oh my God, I don't want to go to work, right? And it's just hard to get there. Then you're at work and you're miserable. Then you leave work and you numb out because you're miserable and it's just a cycle. And then, you know, on the weekend, you spend half the weekend dreading that Monday morning is coming, right? So when most of your, your days are consumed with just that dread or anxiety, right? I like to call it the um, parking lot anxiety attacks. I remember, you know, in my last job, when it was time to go, I would sit in the parking lot, like bargaining with myself to walk in. Oh my gosh. This is like so crazy how aligned our stories are. Cause I, right? would, I would literally wake up in the morning like cry getting ready for work I would drive to work with a plastic bag because my anxiety was so bad I thought I was gonna throw up and then I would sit in the parking lot for like five minutes and just like I'm like what am I doing here like I hate this so much um and I knew that was my last, the last corporate job I had. And I knew within like the first five minutes of walking into that office, um, because the interview process is weird. I never actually went to where I was going to work. So I didn't know what the environment was like. And I walked in and I instantly knew it was wall to wall. And it was so quiet. I'm not a quiet person. If you can, if you didn't know that already, <laughs> I, I I can see that. <laughs> um, I mean, it was like it was so it was so it was haunting. I'm getting like chills thinking about it. Um, and it was like all the breaks were timed. Like you had to take your break at a certain time, and like you only had ten minutes for like your little your little in between breaks and stuff. And I was just it was. Yeah, so I can't believe how, how like, I'm glad that other people felt the way that I did, because at that time, I didn't know that this was, like, I don't want to say it's normal, but I didn't know that other people were experiencing that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I can obviously totally relate, um, and so that's one way you know it's time for a change. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know it in your mind, you know it logically, and then we're grow. you know, we're raised to, we need to be responsible, and is this the right decision, and I've only been at this company for six months, I need to stay at least two years. Like, our mind tries to talk us out of what we already know, again, back to that thing of protecting us from the new and scary, mm-hmm. and so we've got that logic, right, and if you talk to people, they'll support your logic, right? I remember when I um, was thinking of quitting my consulting job. And my mother was like, oh, if you do that, we can't tell your father because he'll have a heart attack, right? So like the people that love us and want the best for us, they're reinforcing our biggest fears. Um, So we, you know, we use logic, even though we know better, but then it, it starts to affect us, not just mentally, but emotionally and physically. I mean, people literally you know, I, one of my clients ended up in the hospital with a brain aneurysm from stress from work. Um, for me, it was really debilitating migraines. Um, other people start experiencing, you know, a tightness in their chest that just does not go away. And stress affects us stress and being unhappy. So I would say stress and unhappiness. If we don't listen to what we know, if we try to logic our way out of something, 
um, we will feel it emotionally and physically. You know, when I needed to leave consulting and I was in denial because I was afraid, what would I do? I already had 10 years experience in finance. I couldn't change careers. I'd have to start at the bottom. What if no one would hire me, right? Like all these things. Um, it, then it started to affect me emotionally. And I would, I was always go, go, go. But whenever I would stop, the emotions would come like, I Oh yeah, that's the worst. It's the worst. And I, back then, I'm not this way anymore. I'm much more in touch with my emotions, but back then <laughs> I prided myself on never being emotional. I worked with all men, you know, mm -hmm. finance and yeah, you wouldn't let them see a sweat type thing. So the tears were even more of a shock to me. And I remember being in mass, there was this cute little chapel church in the middle of Times Square of all places. And I would go there on Sundays because that was like my quiet time and it gave me peace. And I remember sitting in church and all of a sudden for no reason, the tears just came. Like, and I'm not talking like in the movies, you know, when people look pretty and they're crying. I'm talking like, you know. It's like the Kim Kardashian oh, meme. Worse. <laughs> At least she still looks pretty there. I'm talking bloodshot eyes, the runny nose, runny yeah. and stuffed up at the same time. Um, awkward as, as can be. And I was sitting there and if, if, anyone is listening or if you are Catholic, you know, there's the, you're getting up and down and kneeling and up and down and <laughs> sitting there, you know, in the middle of busy full pew and just waiting for everyone to stand up so I could excuse myself and go. And I just knew in that moment, you know, I said, if this is success, I don't want any part of it. I had all the things. I was in New York City, right? Um, what, what better place to be for a young person? I had a fancy apartment. I um, had an impressive LinkedIn profile. I could talk about meeting with CEOs and presenting to boards and all these things that seemed impressive, but I wasn't happy. It didn't matter that I was supposedly successful. I was miserable. And that was, you know, one of the things that, in addition to the migraines, um, you know, and a few other wake-up calls was what finally pushed me to do something about it, no matter how scary it was. And that's what I mean when I say sometimes it takes like a lot of kicks in the butt, right? A lot of breakdowns for us to say, okay, I'm going to do something. This isn't working. Absolutely. I love, I like almost started crying when you were talking about the church story. I'm Catholic, Aww. so I know that like get it. <laughs> that whole routine, it's like you get a workout when you're at church too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I was laughing. Not that you were like having an emotional breakdown at church. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I've been there. So it's like, it's so crazy to like hear other people's experiences um, mine manifested as anxiety, but I didn't know it was anxiety. I thought I was just underslept, overworked. You know, I was eating out every day, didn't have like a social life, wasn't working out. Like there were so many other like things that I was doing that I thought were the cause. And so I was just repressing all of these emotions and this anxiety and then finally one day just like kind of almost like a pimple popping like just came to the head where I was just like my body was like yeah we're, we need to shut this down <laughs> like Aww. we need to figure something out 
Um, but I honestly think that like some of these situations as, as painful as they are, I think that they're necessary because they're the biggest lessons that we can learn. Yeah. And it, it, sometimes we need a shock. We need something big and bad and painful to happen because otherwise we're just going to stay in the, you know, the humdrum status quo indefinitely. And then we're going to wake up. Right. And for me, the wake up call was 30. Uh, but a lot of people wake up at 40, 50, 60 and say, where am I? Why am I here? I'm not happy. What have I done? I've wasted my life. So you bring up a great point. Like there is something to be grateful for in these really hard moments because they are a catalyst, right? Mm -hmm. For us to, to do something different that's aligned with who we really are. Absolutely. I was 23. At least you figured it out early. Uh, yeah. I, I wasted my 20s. I'm, I mean, I think 30 is still really young to like, to have that. Like I'm talking like at people who are like 40 or 50, the, the, I think the kicker was the woman that shared the cubicle next to me. Love her. Beautiful. Such a sweet, sweet but. woman. <laughs> she had been at the company for like, at that time, like 37 years, which wow. was like, I was I was like, that's longer than I've been alive. <laughs> like, yeah. and that was like the moment where I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, and for some people, that's fine. There right. are people in this world who are happy with their nine to five. They know what to expect. They do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But anyone listening right now, if they've gotten this far, then they don't fall into that camp. Right. right? They want more. They right. want to be happy. They want to be fulfilled. They want to feel like they're making a difference. Like the hours they spend at work actually matter. So that 37 years at one company doing the same thing, that's not going to work. Right. Right. And that was her. She was so happy. She was so yeah. content. Like, like I was saying, she just like radiated beauty because she was happy and she was happy with what she was doing and she was comfortable and she felt empowered. And that is, that was where she wanted to be and there's no harm no foul in that but for me when I saw that I was like that's not going to be me in 30 years 35 years like I'm yeah. going to be a walking corpse mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yep. um so to kind of wrap this up so when you left your New York job yeah you then went and you found another job that you were, that was like in a completely different industry, right? Yes. I made a, that was like my biggest career change and, uh, you know, what really started the whole coaching thing. Of course, I didn't know it at the time. Um, but yes, I ended up changing careers from finance and consulting to uh, marketing for a big uh, retail company. Awesome. Oh, I worked in retail. I'll have to ask yeah. you what company it was when we're done talking. But what was the secret? to landing that job oh i love secrets okay so <laughs> the number one not talked about secret is not about how to apply to jobs or how to update your linkedin profile or how to put keywords on your resume um, or how many networking events to go to but the number one secret the magic to landing the job of your dreams is to be able to tell your career story. So what I mean by that is, you know, you are selling yourself, 
right? You are the product and it is your responsibility to be able to share with whoever you're talking to how your exact experience, your passions, your skills are connected and make you the perfect person for whatever job you're going for, even if, and possibly more so than the person who that's all they've been doing their whole life. And, you know, there's this weird thing that when we're networking or someone asks us what we do, we lock up, we get awkward, we're not ourselves. But if you can learn to, you know, weave your experience together, even if it doesn't seem connected, um, in such a way that it actually excites you, <laughs> right? So that when you right. talk about this, you light up, um, but it excites you. It, it, you know, makes you seem like a real person. It brings you in with your story and you're able to show whoever you're talking to that you're the perfect person for the job. And they don't know why, but they know with your energy, like they need to have you on the team, whatever you're doing. And once you get your story down, it gives you confidence because you're no longer stuttering to, you know, tell me about yourself or why did you apply to this job? Um, but it gives you confidence. It allows you to let your true self shine, which will magnetize the right companies to you because you don't want to be anywhere that doesn't allow you to be you. Like I, one of my clients I was talking to uh, a couple nights ago and she was telling me how it was like a one month approval process to get, be able to dye her hair, you know, that cool gray that's in style, like gray silver. Oh, uh huh. and it was like a one month process to do that. She's like, I can never be anywhere again where it's a big deal if I want to put a little pink in my hair or, you know, or if wow. a tattoo shows. And the fact is, it's not that that's for everybody, but I don't think anyone should be somewhere where they have to hide their true selves. So back to the story. It gives you confidence. It lets, you, lets your true self shine. Um, and it gets you connected with a job that you actually want, not just a job for job's sake. That's the magic. And it seems like a small thing, but I've seen time and time again, that is the key. And it's so important that my clients will practice their story and send me videos. And then, you know, I have them do informational interviews and so they're practicing and then they're refining. And then when, mm -hmm. when they get a question and they're thrown off, right, then we come back and we say, okay, well, how should we answer that? And through that practice, then they just have a beautiful story that makes sense, makes them feel good and makes other people want to hire them. Like now, even if they don't have a job. That's so true. I love that. I always find that it's always the small things that really add up to the big things. People always think it's like this big thing you have to do and it's really not. It's like, no, just do one tiny small thing and keep doing it and you'll yeah. get there. <laughs> yeah, and the story is the foundation for everything. The story is the foundation for your LinkedIn profile, for your resume, for all your conversations. And if I can give one more, can I give one more secret, Brie? Absolutely, please. Don't waste your time online. The odds that you're going to get a job by applying online are super slim. Something like 85% of jobs are never even posted online. And those that are, many of them are already accounted for. I've gotten jobs where they offered me the job and then said, wait, we're going to have to uh, post it online for legal reasons. So can you just apply? But don't worry, we're not interviewing anyone. And so uh -huh. you don't, you don't want to be on the other end of that. And so the key is to spend maybe five to 10% of your job search hours on online stuff. Um, and the rest of it talking to people. 
So having your story and talking to people on the phone and in person, that is the secret. And I know that's hard. I know we don't like to talk to people, right? We've, <laughs> the younger you are, the more <laughs> you know, difficult it is to get on the phone. And I get that. And if you can overcome that, that's going to put you way ahead of your peers, right? Because they're, they're doing the same thing. They're all applying online. They don't want to talk to anyone. So if you could do that, that's going to make you stand out even more. Yes, that's kind of part of the reason why I started the podcast too was because I love conversations and I feel like long form conversations are disappearing. And so I was like, I need to get the attention of other girls my age, other women my age to understand like the importance of conversations and the power that they actually have. Um, but no, thank you for sharing those two things. I think that they're, that is incredible incredibly valuable. So where can people purchase Job Joy? And I know you're doing some special offers for pre-orders. So why don't you yes. tell us a little bit about that? So um, the book was released last year as an ebook, and then a publisher picked it up, which is super exciting. So the official bookstore launch, when it will be like in Amazon and Barnes and Noble and airports is June 18th. But yes, it's so exciting and it's available for pre-order now on jobjoybook.com. And you might be asking, why would I pre-order the book when I don't get it until June? Well, <laughs> the reason is um, very honestly, when bookstores see pre-orders, that makes them realize that um, they should carry the book in their bookstore and then that way the message gets out and more people you know, are given the you know, the knowledge and the resources to find work they love. So that's number one. And number two, I get to come up with fun and creative ways to thank you for pre-ordering. And so uh, for people that pre-order, I've got a four-part video career upgrade masterclass, and you can only get access to that when you pre-order. Um, and also I'm giving away that chapter on how to be happy at work now. And there will be oh more God. bonuses to come, um, but that's what you'll get immediately when you, when you do that. And all the information how to do that is on jobjoybook.com. Um, but there'll be lots of, of fun bonus gifts that are worth way more than the $15 price of the book because I want you to be able to get started right now uh, to find more happiness in your career. Oh, my gosh. Well, the – website she just mentioned is going to be in the episode description. So just swipe up and you should be able to find all of the links on how to find Kristen and where to purchase the book. And <clears throat> oh my gosh, sorry. <clears throat> ah, I'll have to edit that out. Hold on one second. <coughs> I have like this just lingering little cough. That's all right. That's what uh, editing is for. Oh, thank goodness. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, hold on one second. Let me do that whole thing again. So all of the websites that are the webs, hold on, let me get this. So the website that Kristen just mentioned is going to be in the episode description. So just swipe up and you'll be able to click and then just go directly to that website to purchase the book and also get access to the add-ons and freebies that she just mentioned. And also check out her Instagram and Facebook. I watched a couple of Kristen's Facebook lives and that's what made me 
<laughs> I don't know how we connected or if you reached out to me or I reached out to you, but I was like, I need to have her on the podcast because she oh. is amazing. So thank you so much, Kristen, for being here. And yeah. thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. <laughs>